Welcome to EAN Cast, your weekly source for education, research, and updates from the European Academy of Neurology. Good morning, everyone. I'm Benedetta Storti. I'm from Milano, and I'm a neurologist working in the cerebrovascular unit of uh, Carlo Besta Institute uh, in Italy. And it's a great pleasure to be here uh, with me. There is Dr. Arsovska. Uh, she is wonderful uh, head chef uh, of uh, urgent neurology in Skopje, North Macedonia. And we are going to record this podcast for European Academy of Neurology regarding rare causes of strokes. And uh, regarding th this, uh, it's a very interesting field. And although atherosclerosis and cardiac disease, um, such as atrial fibrillation, are common etiology of ischemic stroke, uh, several other diseases uh, that are acquired or genetic in, in their origin may definitely also cause uh, stroke. There, is, uh, there are cardiomyopathy, there, are, there is uh, fibromuscular dysplasia, moya-moya disease, uh, and also many immune-related causes of stroke, uh, Takayashu disease, Suzak syndrome, and many others. And my first question uh, to you, Dr. Arsovska, is um, in your experience, uh, which is the most frequent or most frequently misdiagnosed uncommon cause of stroke? Thank you very much. Uh... Uh, Benedetta, I would like first uh, to stress that it is a great pleasure for me uh, to take part at the ENCAST weekly neurology podcast. So you mentioned uh, the conventional stroke risk factors that are grouped uh, into modifiable and non-modifiable risk uh, factors. However, there are also rare causes of uh, stroke. Uh, that can be uh, divided into uh, four groups, uh, such as non-inflammatory blood vessel disorders, inflammatory blood vessel disorders, hematological blood vessel disorders, and miscellaneous uh, disorders. So um, I can mention uh, representatives of uh, uh, these uh, groups, uh, such as uh, in the group of uh, non-inflammatory blood vessel disorders, uh, there are CADASIL and CARASIL, uh, which are cerebral autosomal dominant or recessive arteriopathy with subcortical infarcts and uh, leukoencephalopathy, Fabry disease, uh, MELAS disease, which stands for mitochondrial encephalopathy, lactic acidosis and stroke-like episodes, fibromuscular dysplasia, Sneddon syndrome, Moya-Moya disease, and hereditary hemorrhagic teleangiectasia. In the group of um, uh, inflammatory blood vessel disorders, uh, here, uh, we can mention the isolated central nervous system vasculitis, uh, giant cell temporal arteritis, and Susak syndrome. 
then in the group of hematological disorders, uh, there is the antiphospholipid syndrome and sickle cell anemia. And uh, in the group of miscellaneous disorders, I will mention uh, the cerebral venous sinus thrombosis and uh, also eagle syndrome. So all these uh, rare causes of stroke have um, specific uh, clinical uh, features uh, and also they have specific features or neuroimaging and also specific tests should be performed in order to establish the proper diagnosis. Yeah, thank you very much. You have just mentioned many rare causes of stroke, but also uncommon causes of stroke. Uh, in fact, I got the impression that um, often we misclassified stroke, calling it like cryptogenic stroke. But sometimes it would be sufficient to go a little bit in depth to understand that there is a reason why uh, the stroke has happened. And uh, we know the majority of ischemic stroke are due to cardioembolism, large vessel uh, atherothromboembolism, small vessel uh, disease. And uh, we call cryptogenic stroke the, the event, the brain infection that is not caused, that is not attributable to a source of definite cardioembolism, large artery atherosclerosis, or small artery uh, disease, despite standard uh, evaluation. And about 25-30% of ischemic stroke are labeled, are classified as cryptogenic stroke. Regarding this aspect, in your opinion, are there any common errors uh, in the diagnostic pathway that we as doctors we may we make uh, and that could be correct to increase the probability of diagnose the real cause of a stroke yes definitely it is very important to perform a broad uh, investigation in order to properly diagnose stroke patients especially if they are young adult stroke patients so it is of crucial importance to obtain a medical history, optimal medical history, uh, to perform detailed physical examination of the patient, also lab blood and urine analysis, genetic testing, coagulation factors, neuroimaging such as MRI of the brain or CT or MR angiography, also skin, muscle or artery biopsy, uh, ophthalmoscopic investigation, a lumbar puncture, uh, chest radiography and uh, chest angiography in certain cases because some of the rare causes of stroke have uh, specific uh, features on this uh, investigation that I have mentioned. For example, Cadacil uh, on MRI shows uh, leukoencephalopathy in the anterior temporal lobes, white matter lesions in the external capsule and corpus callosum, subcortical strokes, microhemorrhages, and brain atrophy. 
Also, in Karasil, MRI, for example, on T2-weighted MRI, reveals uh, diffuse uh, confluent hyperintensity signal areas in the cerebral white matter that extend to the anterior temporal lobe and internal external capsules, and also small lesions in the basal ganglia and brainstem can be seen. For example, the diagnosis of MELAS is supported by muscle biopsy, uh, which shows uh, wrecked red fibers. In Sneddon syndrome, we should perform extensive lab evaluation to exclude hypercoagulable states, and also a skin biopsy should be performed of the normal flesh-colored area within the bordering clivedo reticularis, and this is of the highest diagnostic yield. In patients uh, that are suspected for Osler-Weber-Rendorf disease and stroke, uh, we should perform chest CT angiography to look for evidence of pulmonary arteriovenous malformation. In fibromuscular dysplasia, angiography shows a sausage-like string of beads appearance of the internal carotid artery. These changes can also be demonstrated on CT angiography or MR angiography. In the isolated vasculitis of the central nervous system, uh, there is uh, no definitive uh, diagnostic laboratory. However, we should perform routine biochemical serological testing and also see the level of antinuclear antibodies of uh, antineutrophil cytoplasm antibodies and also antiphospholipid antibodies. Also, it is important to stress that on lumbar puncture, the CSF analysis in the isolated vasculitis of the central nervous system is abnormal in 80 to 90% of the cases. Uh, and the, the finding is with high protein content and lymphocytic leocytosis. Also, uh, in cases of suspicious uh, giant cell temporal arteritis, the superficial temporal artery biopsy uh, establishes the diagnosis. In the cases of cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, we should perform MR of the brain with MR venography. And in rare cases of uh, suspected eagle syndrome, where the styloid process is uh, elongated, a CT would be the most accurate method, which will allow measurement of uh, the styloid uh, process. And also CT angiography can uh, show uh, if there are uh, stenosis or even dissection of the carotid artery. So thank you very much for this broad view of uh, things that we should do. I think that's one uh, of the take-home message could be that we have to think about. We have to, to think about um, performing biopsy. There are many causes uh, to perform that from vasculitis to Snedon disease, Cardazil and Melas. So uh, biopsy is uh, something that we don't perform often, but could be very useful. I got a last question for you, uh, Dr. Rasovska. 
and it's regarding the, this, the diagnostic pathway uh, also. Um, I think that often uh, when the patient is not young, there is a tendency to exclude the diagnosis of rare or uncommon causes of stroke. We got like this trend. And uh, there are interesting publications um, re-evaluating the role of uh, patent uh, forame ovale uh, in stroke in elderly patients. What do you think about this? Uh, is there like a limit to insist on the diagnostic pathway that should take uh, into account the, the age of the patient? Should we stop to go in depth, to study the patient when the patient has an age older than the average, I mean? Well, if you mean uh, if it is older than, uh, than 50, then uh, perhaps up to 55, I would say, but still I would not exclude uh, PFO as a cause of stroke because uh, we also see presence of PFO and uh, in relation to stroke occurrence, even in patients that are older than uh, 50 years. So uh, I would uh, recommend, uh, of course, uh, the diagnostic pathway in all patients, but especially in younger patients. So with the diagnostic uh, methods that I previously mentioned, uh, because it actually, uh, if we come to the proper diagnosis, it leads to proper management uh, of these patients. Because not all patients would uh, require antiplatelet or anticoagulation therapy if we discover uh, some other uh, rare causes of stroke. For, uh, for example, uh, if we uh, confirm uh, patients with uh, Cadacil or Caracil, then of course uh, we should um, take into account the genetic counseling as part of the, the treatment. Uh, also, besides the secondary stroke prevention and uh, supportive care, we should uh, treat the patients with uh, medications for dementia and psychiatric uh, disorders. Also, these uh, patients with Cadacil suffer from migraine. So we should treat uh, migraine with proper medication, and also patients uh, who have uh, diagnosed, who have been diagnosed with Caracil, uh, should be treated uh, with uh, medication for uh, spasticity, lumbago, and uh, alopecia. Also, there are some uh, reports in the literature regarding patients with uh, melas. So some reports have shown uh, the benefit uh, of uh, treatment uh, uh, of these patients with infusions of uh, arginine and also supportive treatment with uh, antioxidant vitamin supplements and uh, respiratory chain cofactors. Also regarding uh, Sneddon syndrome, um, some uh, doctors prefer anticoagulation therapy because of the presumed relationship between Sneddon syndrome and antiphospholipid antibody syndrome. Uh, other use uh, antiplatelet agents. Here there is no clear benefit for immunosuppression and uh, there are some case reports in the literature that show the benefit of uh, intravenous thrombolytic treatment in the acute phase of stroke in patients with uh, Sneddon syndrome, and there were no 
uh, bleeding complication uh, reported. Also, in patients uh, that uh, were diagnosed with Fabry disease, we should uh, treat these patients with uh, uh, enzyme replacement uh, therapy and um, also secondary stroke prevention would include uh, antiplatelets and um, anticoagulants uh, in patients with cardioembolic stroke. In other uh, rare causes of stroke, such as uh, Oslar-Weber-Rendus syndrome, if we diagnose pulmonary arteriovenous malformation, then this should be treated surgically with resection or embolization, and also uh, these patients might suffer from cerebrovascular malformation, which uh, should be treated uh, depending on the time and location. Uh, regarding uh, the treatment of uh, fibromuscular dysplasia, the, the optimal treatment is not uh, known, but options include uh, antiplatelets, anticoagulants, uh, endovascular intervention, or thromboendorectomy. Moya Moya disease, on the other side, is uh, treated uh, with uh, surgical uh, revascularization. Uh, that would improve uh, collateral blood flow and would decrease moya moya vessels and would decrease the risk for uh, further uh, stroke. I would like to point out that the isolated vasculitis of the CNS uh, is treated with combined immunosuppressive therapy. There are two phases of treatment, uh, induction of remission and maintenance of remission. The cell temporal arteritis is also treated with corticosteroid therapy. Uh, Susak syndrome, uh, the treatment is usually unsuccessful. It includes a broader spectrum of uh, medications. So options are corticosteroids, cyclophosphamide, uh, azathioprine, antiplatelets, plasmapheresis, intravenous immunoglobulin. In uh, antiphospholipid syndrome, of course, anticoagulation therapy is uh, recommended. Uh, also, in uh, patients uh, who suffer from uh, cerebrovenous sinus thrombosis, treatment in the acute phase includes uh, low molecular weight heparin, and then this is followed by vitamin K antagonists or DOAX, and the duration depends on the underlying cause, whether this should be a couple of months or long-term, depending on um, the presence on uh, severe thrombophilia or proven antiphospholipid uh, antibodies. Uh, also, uh, the management of ego syndrome would uh, include um, medicamental treatment, but also uh, surgical shortening of the styloid process via intraoral or external approach. So um, I summarized uh, different types of uh, treatment uh, according to the underlying rare cause uh, of the stroke. So uh, that is why we need to have a broader view uh, of all the possible causes of stroke in order the patients to receive uh, appropriate treatment. So thank you very much. We, we have spoken a lot about uh, rare causes of ischemic stroke. Maybe in, in, the, in the next podcast, we, sh we, we should speak also uh, about hemorrhagic stroke. And 
even though these diseases are uncommon, uh, they occur with enough frequency that the neurologists should definitely be aware of their clinical features, their ways to diagnose them, and also the best treatment option to prevent recurrency of vascular events. So it it is, and it was a great pleasure to, to speak with you, Dr. Asovska, and I really hope that our colleagues that are listening are going to appreciate this recording and also to stay tuned for the next episode that is coming. Thank you very much. It was a real pleasure and honor for me. This has been EANcast Weekly Neurology. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcatcher for weekly updates from the European Academy of Neurology. You can also listen to this and all of our previous episodes on the EAN campus to gain points and become an EAN expert in any of our 29 neurological specialties. Simply become an EAN individual member to gain access. For more information, visit eanorg membership. That's EAN.org backslash membership. Thanks for listening. EANcast Weekly Neurology is your unbiased and independent source for educational and research-related neurological content. Although all content is provided by experts in their field, it should not be considered official medical advice.